You're listening to the Punisher Waterfowls, the Union 0430 podcast, brought to you by Real Geese Decoys, the most technological advanced silhouette decoys on the market, and Vortex Canada, the force of optics. Hey, everybody. Probably sounds a bit different this week. You don't have that sultry, newfie knees voice going on, but uh, Damien has taken some requested vacation and uh, the boys have approved it. So here we are. So as always, we've got Mark Vitch coming from somewhere. I don't know. We've got just outside of Ottawa. Yeah, just south of Ottawa. We've got Ryan coming from somewhere out east, maybe. And uh, Damien, and oh, yeah, Damien's not here, but we've got Phil and Phil's in between two houses right now. So Boys, how's it been? You guys weren't here last week. I would just like to say this is exciting to be able to have a host that I can understand when he's staying. <laughs> well, it's, if I get rambling on or talking stupid, just slap me or I don't know. Something. No, we'll just carry on as if you're normal because that would be normal. Yeah. You know, the one thing that I've noticed over the course of COVID is certain people have got really good at these like podcasts that are on a video using this Zoom. But then you'll see other people that are like businesses or like town councils that use Zoom and they're still like, oh, I, I need a turn to talk. And there's like all these features that they're not using. So I don't know. It's it's been kind of interesting to watch the evolution of this program. So can I read uh, there's any, a hand raise feature? Yeah, there is. There is you a hand raise feature. Yeah. In, yeah. in fairness, we have done this 60 something times. Yeah. Hey, did you know that we could actually do this on like a Facebook live or? There's just a little button at the bottom no. that says go live. Apparently. <laughs> no, no. Speaking no. of that, Damien is not here, boys. This is the first time in 60 episodes. He finally took a break. Does anyone have a good story about him to I, see if he actually watches the episode? I thought he missed one. No. no. I don't think so. No one else. Yeah, he. we had okay. to cancel some because he couldn't make it, but that's because none of us were willing to try and be a host like he is. So. Nobody can replace like Phil Damien's boots. Yeah, okay. Phil Damien is good. But... Anyone got oh, a story? Man. Come on. You guys know, you... know him better than I do. Yeah. You're... I don't know. Hmm. You're kind Not of good... we're. Yeah, we were just talking about it, and I was like, "Now I can't. Now I got like brain freeze. I can't think of any off the top of my head. There's just it kind of over overflows and floods you." <laughs> <laughs> I will admit, it's a lot harder to do this hosting gig than uh than i thought it was i was just like man david just talks a lot like this is it's just like chatting with friends but you got to kind of keep it been watching different uh podcasts and stuff yeah for pointers right so he's been molding himself after different guys of course it's david he has his own character but yeah he's been all those all those tony robbins tapes are finally paying off for him i'm glad to see it yeah (laughs) on uh on facebook this week there was a guy on the, I think it was all things waterfowl and he's posted, Hey guys, I'm looking for any questions or anything you have about uh, hunting from a canoe or a kayak. We're going to talk about it this week on our podcast and canoes and kayaks are what I hunt from. So I like typed out this huge, long message about things to talk about. And I went, fuck that. That's what we could be doing <laughs> eventually. Right. right? Like, <laughs> so don't you know. be fueling the competition, David. Exactly. I don't, I should yeah, find geez. out what his podcast was and, have a listen, but I don't got time for that. Got a question so, for you, Dave. Yep. Do you have a fish finder in your kayak? So I have a 
I do have a fish finder in my kayak, mm-hmm. but I use it. So what I did was I took one that was on a, I it's on a Ram mount, like one of those Ram ball mounts. And then I got a second Ram ball for my boat and I'll actually just loosen it up, take it off and put it on my boat. Um, okay. And I'll go between the two. Um, what are you using for a battery? I was just carrying like a, an old motorcycle battery that I had. Okay. Yeah. I don't, it fit inside. A lot of these kayak manufacturers now have like the different uh, mounting systems and, and little cubbies for the batteries. So I just got one of them and it was the first battery I found that fit and I've just been using it. So now that you mentioned, I probably couldn't tell you what it is in there, but yeah. As long as it works. Today, today I had to pick one up for uh, Brian Robar. Oh, okay. And uh, it was one of those, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of them, Dakota Lithium. Yeah. So those aren't cheap, by the way. No. And uh, so I picked him up one of those and apparently his fish finder will last for two days on that in the kayak. Yeah. So here's one for you guys. Has anyone ever fallen into the water with their waders on? And do you think that poses a safety hazard? Because that was a big topic that came up in that thread about what, what waders do you wear in your kayak in case you fall off your kayak? Because it can be dangerous. I've never had an issue with it other than if you fall in the cold water, you got cold water. But you guys got any input on that? Well, if they're neoprene, you're gonna float. So if you're if you're but if you're like breaking ice, um, you know, and you're in sub-zero temperatures, you're not gonna want any water to get in, period. So um to minimize that when you're late late season, like you're in that kind of scenario, you're gonna want a belt. Just so if it does happen, you're gonna give yourself a chance. You're not gonna go hypothermic or anything like Cause if you're on like big water, like Lake Ontario or something like that, you know, you could be a few, it doesn't take long to go hypothermic, um, depending on the temperature. So if you are a 20 minute boat ride and you don't have any heaters in your boat and you get wet, you're going to, you're going to have a tough time to get soaked. So, yeah. I've so the been, one... go ahead. I've, I've been river fishing a hell of a lot longer than I've been duck hunting. And you'll never see me step foot in the water without a wading belt on. That's for sure. And like, I've, I've gone for a few dunks out steelheading in like February, March, November. And like, obviously currents a whole, whole different ball game, right? Like for the most part, it's shallower water, but even um, back, like when I first got into waterfowling and I was running out of my little 12 foot tinner for like a six horse. Anytime I was under power going like from boat ramp to my spot, whatever, I still have the waiting belt on, but shoulder straps off. So mm-hmm. if something were to happen, I could pop that belt and get out, or depending on you know the scenario, I could either leave the belt on, whatever the case may be. But I would never run with the shoulder straps on the waders. Yeah. So and there's always a you could wear a light preserver while you're under power. Yeah. As well, which you need your addition to. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So. I like to ride motorcycles and one of the big things people say about motorcycle riding is to uh, dress for the slide, not the ride. And that refers Mm -hmm. to, it doesn't matter how hot it is out, wear that jacket, wear the long pants, don't be in shorts and flip-flops riding your motorbike. And I, I believe in that fully. And I kind of carry that over to the kayak hunting and, and kayak fishing as well. And the thing that I tell people is I try to say like, if you want, if there's something super important to you, it's either attached to you or attached to the boat. So I leash my gun to my boat. Yeah. 
if I fall out and I'm going to go hypothermic and I'm going to get in trouble, I'll flip my kayak back over, grab my paddle, anything that's attached to the boat, I can throw it back in the boat quickly. And I'm going back to shore and getting in my truck and warm, getting warm. Anything that's not important, I'm going to come back for later. I'm not going to leave a mess, but that's something that when you tell people that they're like, Oh, I never thought of that. Or it's just something that, yeah. The other thing that people don't think about is where to leash your gun to. And I always say, leash your gun to your boat. Cause if you fall in and you don't know how deep it is and you get in trouble, you don't want essentially an anchor attached to your body. And there's some guys that say like, Oh, well thinking that way, you're, you're a wimp or whatever. Mm. It's just a gun. Well, if you're fighting for your life, trying to swim, any mm. little bit of weight hurts yep. you. Like I've, hey. I've always run floating gun cases in the boat yep. just for that reason. Yeah. So when I'm, when I have the gun out and I'm actually actively hunting, I have a, it's attached to my boat, just a little carabiner clip. And then there's four foot of paracord. And then on the end of it, it's just a gun swivel mount and just clip it to the back part of my gun and it's ready to go. I know someone that could probably fabricate you a very pretty one. I I actually fabricated this one on my own. I did the whole knots and yeah. But it's it's not an authentic top-notch paracord. It is not an authentic top-notch. Now that you mention it, I should probably see what he can do, but so yeah all right boys what plans do we got for opening weekend smash ducks and not be moving from fucking one house to another now you're moving during the early season aren't you early goose no so we take possession of this new house two days before duck opener okay yeah so thankfully we have both houses for a week so take possession on the thursday I'll get some shit done Thursday, Friday morning. I'll be 401 eastbound to the K-Town on Friday. Do the Just hunt the Saturday with uh, you ladies, minus Ryan, because you, you live far. Too far. And um, we actually have movers coming to do the move on the Monday. I, I, I'm going to stand there and watch other people work. It's fucking epic. That's what I do for a living. That's great. I was going to say, isn't that what you do for a living too? (laughs) But yeah, uh, that's good. So Ryan, some big news came out with this border opening and uh, you were actively looking for someone to help out at camp. How'd that go? Uh, We found a couple people. Um, It's really hard to find. It's not necessarily the hard thing is trying to find the right person. There's lots of people who are capable of doing it. Um, it's a lot of people have lives, jobs already. Um, so to ask somebody to take three to six weeks of vacation to, I mean, it's good money. It's great, but you gotta, if you don't have a break in your day job for that much time or that much, like me personally, I have to bank my vacation in order to do that for a year. Um, so there's few and far between people in that window. So, I mean, it's challenging. Um, we managed to find one guy, so we'll see how it works out. Hopefully the border stays open and uh, a lot can change between now and September. So, um, we'll just wait and see, see how it all works out in the wash. And it's pretty serious too. Like you did your due diligence, you were messaging like, Hey, do you know this guy? And like, you guys take yeah. it pretty serious. How, what, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead sorry. No, you well, go I was ahead. just going to say like, what, what does it look like? on their end like do you actually do a full interview do you do 
shorts that you can call? Like what kind of experience do you have? So I, it's kind of funny you said that. I've seen a lot of outfitters like, oh yeah, send us your calling demo. Like that's the last thing we give a shit about, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, we want people who can find and kill birds. So if you can't find, a, if you need, you know, if you need to be an expert caller, then you're probably running traffic and you don't know how to scout properly. Like, you know, I, I've seen lots, there's lots, there's guys in the Alberta Lodge who are not the greatest callers in the world, but they're killers. They can, they can find the birds. They know how to set up the birds and then they can, I've seen them put some pretty horrible shooters in front of a lot of birds and come away with, with a, a full truckload. So, um, so that's, that's really the last thing. And I mean, the rest you can be taught. Um, it is intimidating when you get out there. I like me, I've only hunted a West like a handful of times prior to that. So it was completely foreign and new to me there. I had to learn fast and, but you know, that's the thing is you gotta, you gotta have a good team. You gotta, you know, Daryl runs a, a really good camp out there and, uh, he's really, uh, really patient, really good at, at helping people along and we got a tight team. So the biggest thing with us, there's only, uh, four of us right now. So we, we just wanted to make sure we, we had the right fit and personality, which is hard to gauge virtually, but, uh, as long as they got a good work ethic and they're good with people and you know, the, the hunting is, um, is equally as important, but it's, it's, it's not the end all be all. So. Yeah. yeah. And that's, it was something that I was like, man, if I was 10 years younger, that'd be a challenge that I'd like to try. Like something to go out there and you see, you think it's just hunting, but really you're, you're looking, you're scouting morning and afternoons. You're, you're trying to find birds all the time and make sure that these people have these excellent hunts. And it, there's a lot of work to it. And the more you, once you start watching the show and you start looking at the behind the scenes, it's like, wow, there's more to this than I ever thought. Like good on you guys. Yeah. It, it's constant. Like um, it's literally sun up to sundown. Um, I go for the second half. So it's a little bit easier because the days are, not as long because we're not getting up at like four thirty or three thirty, you know, because the sun rises and you know it's in six in the morning, October when I go. So, um, but yeah, it's it's constant. And if you're not scouting, you're hunting. If you're not hunting, you're you're working on a vehicle. You're you're washing snow decoys off because they got covered in mud. Like you're cleaning guns. You're cleaning vehicles. You're changing tires. You're you're doing you know. There's lots to do. Like, no, we don't clean birds. We have somebody who does that in camp, which is nice, but especially when you come in with 150 snows, but um, there's no shortage of work. Your, your, your downtime is minimal, but uh, you know, okay. you, you, get, you get paid well and you get fed well and, and, and the best, and you love your job. If you're doing, you're not doing that if you don't love to waterfowl hunt and don't love to, to take people hunting. Yeah. So it's for me, it's, it's, I love it. Yeah. So take me through, you've got, someone goes out and they do like, say you went out and you scouted and you found that field for the morning. You've got a group of guys at the camp waiting to hunt there. First mm -hmm. thing in the morning, are you all going out at the same time or do you let them sleep a little longer? Will you guys go set decoys? How many of you guys set decoys together? What's going on with all that? Um, so I'll just kind of, let's start at the beginning of the week. So a new group would fly in on Sunday. Um, we will have scouted Sunday morning. We will scout Sunday night. Somebody, usually Daryl will take, we have a mini bus. Daryl will go pick them up. Clients bring them back for supper. We will have done our evening scout. We'll have a meeting uh, that night after the scouting's done. 
and everybody will kind of compile and say, Hey, I've got permission locked down for, for this hunt and this hunt, you know, and uh, you know what you have for, for birds. So somebody might have a snow hunt, somebody might have a pothole duck hunt and the ultimately Daryl, who's the, who manages the camp, he makes final decision of who's hunting when and what, and depending on how that hunt first hunt goes in the morning, will could dictate what the afternoon hunt is. So, you know, if, if I take a group out in the morning and we, you know, shoot a bunch of snows and we get 40 ducks, we shoot our duck limit. Well, if two other, the two other people have duck hunts, well, that's no good to us. But if somebody has a dark goose option spec or a Canada hunt, well, that's available now on the table. So that would be the priority. So there's lots of factors to consider, but you're, you know, if, if somebody's hunting, everybody else is out scouting. So there's, there's, it's constantly evolving, constantly changing depending on the situation. Yeah. And that's, that's a big thing. There's, um, I don't know, uh, the information will hopefully be out by Monday when we release this episode, but there's a, maybe a waterfowl seminar coming up that us boys from uh, Punisher are helping with. And the discussion was what topics should we talk about? And it was things like guns and ammo and decoy placement and dog training and calling and all that stuff and i said that's when we kind of talked about it and the big decision was well that's great if you have a dog and you can run it that's awesome you could have the best shooting gun with the best ammo in the world and that's great you could be the best caller but if you don't know how to find birds and you don't know how to scout those birds are you really gonna find birds and shoot birds so you're scouting is kind of ended that's just it right so yeah so that being the big discussion what do you guys do for uh opening morning scouting how soon do you start scouting two days before like i'm already seeing some guys out there brian rushton you in particular starting to take pictures calling it scouting now and really you're not scouting now you're just looking at birds that are flying through but how soon do you guys start scouting now yeah yeah i started good sorry i'm out checking my fields like harry got i don't know a handful of wheat fields um, that are obviously already cut. There's now clover coming up. Um, I've already seen a neighboring wheat field to one of my properties. It probably had, I don't know, hundred birds in it the other day. Oh. Um, so yeah, already like I start now, start patterning these birds. Okay. What fields you use and how long are you in that field? Okay. So that's going to get burned out soon. Now this is your next food option. How long before you find that? Like, you know, it's, constantly on the go it's like you yeah. know it's only the middle of august but i'm already starting like what am i doing for early season yeah so like i've got a couple couple wheat fields i'll be obviously keeping an eye on those even closer towards the end of the month when the season approaches and yeah. you know where, where am i going to hide what am i going to do for a hide we're we doing layouts we're we going to do you know something in a you know like a a-frame in a fence row or are we going to smack it dead center in the field you know, all, all these things, right? If, is there round bales still out in these fields? Can we put a blind up against a round bale? Like, yeah. you know, it's already already started. Yeah. See, and I think I'm doing a little bit of what you're doing. I'm kind of taking note of what properties I can usually get access to and, and then driving and seeing where, what all the fields are right now and how they're looking and, okay, this is corn and this used to be a hot field a couple of years ago. So it's probably good this year. And, I'm doing that, but I'm not actually looking at birds any right now. I might take a picture yeah. of one or two, but I'm not seeing many regardless. I'm, so I'm looking like I've been looking for a bit now, just more 
seeing what's what's where cereal planted. I mean, that's where your early season, your resident geese, that's where they're going to be unless you're hunting like a loafing pond or a pasture or something. Um, where I'm at, there's not a lot of roost. You know, we, we don't have like the hottest flyway for the early goose season, but I mean, there's enough to get good, a few good hunts. But something to keep in mind is uh, geese in the early season, they're not going to fly. They're not going to feed too far from their roost because their young aren't really know they're not great flyers yet so they're going to keep the distance relatively short so um so if you do if you do know of a habitual roost and you find a grain field within like a mile two miles of that um that roost probability is pretty high they're they're going to hit it they're not going to fly far so yeah yeah right now there's a roost about 150 yards that way and it's already got over 100 geese in it and they're flying 800 yards that way landing in a pasture so that's that's like i see that all year long though right and now that the last time someone hunted in that roost they had the cops called on them it probably won't be happening <laughs> if i go talk to the farmers no point now but i wouldn't want to hunt the roost anyway i like I said i'd rather i'd rather hunt the field and have the birds stick around yep. than uh, then hunt the roost don't shoot the roost no Exactly. Hunt the loaf, don't hunt the roost. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that I've been, I learned it big last year was to <clears throat> actually go and take a tour while it's warm of all the areas that you usually hunt um, on the boat. Two years ago, the main area that we always hunt, um, it had a ton of those Phragmites. And then before last season started, they actually went in with this machine and tore them all out. So then when we went come fall, like opening weekend, we start scouting it and looking, we're like all the normal landmarks that we had were moved and trees were missing and stuff was all gone. And it, it was just totally different. So that's something that people should also be looking at too. Right. So there was a whole lot more water. Yeah. 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 A lot, a lot more wide open spaces. So you didn't have those little potholes in between the fragmites and they didn't have the fragmites to hide behind either. So, but it was, I don't know, just trying to give some tips here that, we might learn time to time. But... Make sure yeah. your motor's tuned up. Yeah. Make oh, sure your bearings Jesus. are good on the boat motor. Jesus on the right. boat trailer. Yeah. Make sure you got the right choke in your gun. Make sure you Make have sure. a choke in your gun. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you can get that turkey choke out of your gun in case you need a gunsmith. Yeah. They've got this magical stuff called oil. Choke lube. Choke lube. Choke lube. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys use there. choke lube? Nope. Oh, yeah. G96 do, yeah. for everything. If I can find it. Yeah. So all I use is G96. Yeah. If it's, if it's supposed to move, it gets fucking sprayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got all kinds of shit. No. Yeah. But it's not in this box. It's yeah. all I ever use is G96. Unless, like, I'm doing my, like, I got some special stuff for my moose rifle. For, like, you know. What choke you using that? <laughs> There's no choke. Yeah, I got I got some special bore cleaner and stuff for the uh, for the moose rifle. But other than that, G ninety six for everything cleans, lubricates. It's the one shot wonder. And I found it does really good in cold weather too. Yeah, right. That was kind of a big key. Super, 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 super thin coat. I'll spray a gun down. I'll give it a wipe, and then like that's it. How often during the season will you clean your gun? Because some guys talk about. After every hunt, some guys talk. It's a weekly ritual on Sundays, like going to church. 
Some guys don't clean it all season. I'm not saying I do any of those. I'm just wondering what you guys think, what you guys do. The weather. Yeah. 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 The weather, the amount you're shooting. I shoot an inertia-driven gun, so um, if the weather's dry, it's it's pretty good. But if I shoot a lot, it'll get dry on me, and that's when you'll, you know, because everything goes out the barrel on inertia-driven, so you just got to make sure you keep it oiled at least all your sliding parts got to stay lubricated but other than that like mark said for me it's just weather if it's out in the rain or whatever yeah yeah like i'll at end of the season my like obviously my two primary guns are my m2 20 gauge and the super block eagle 2 both inertia end of the season full tear down and i mean full like stocks are off i'm cleaning out the inside of the magazine tube the whole fucking nine but then again, like weather depending, if we're out and it's pissing down, I'll, I'll strip her down good, give her a good, good wipe down, good, good spray. But other than that, like during the season, you know, I might run the snake through it once or twice if she's lucky. And then other than that, just uh, the odd shot of oil uh, inside the auction just to make sure the bull's moving. And that's about it. I've never had any issues. How about? I've, I've got a, yeah, I've got a question. For, for you guys, because I don't have any personal experience with this gun. But a buddy of mine who I guide with, he's looking to buy a 20 gauge for his wife. And he came across a Montrebello for now, it's got a few nicks in the stock, but he's the guy he's talking to says it operates fine. So for 900 bucks used. And I said, I think like, well, it's a pretty good gun. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Phil's aggressively nodding yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I know what yeah. the price point is at new. Yeah. If so he's not like, going to well, buy it, I fucking will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, well, as long as it fires and it cycles, I think that's a good deal. So, but I've personally never operated that, that uh, shotgun. So those are 100,000 round guns. Yeah. The Mont- Montefeltro is just like a beautiful M2. Yeah. Pretty much yeah. like they're, they're, inertia driven you can't go wrong like wasn't that the delta gun of the year not too long ago it was, was like it was yeah, yeah. Okay. but yeah that's a hundred thousand round gun you can just think of how much shooting it takes to, to put a hundred thousand rounds through a gun that's a hundred thousand round gun so and at the end of the time. end of the day like when it comes to replacing shit on inertia it's a spring yep that's it it's the spring that's in the it. butt stock your 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 recoil mechanism mechanism like that's it yeah. Easiest guns to repair, easiest guns to maintain. Like, they're practically bulletproof. It's just like the old school 870. You can't fucking break them. No. So, speaking of gun of the years, have you guys been participating in a lot of these Delta banquets, these online Delta banquets? And what are your thoughts on this versus the um, in, in-person events going forward? Like, I, I truly want to see these in-person events going forward coming back to it because it's a lot of fun. But on the other hand, right now, I want that Franke Affinity 3, the 20-gauge one, gun of the year. And right now, I can go to every banquet and check and see what price that gun's going for. And once it come, once it stays at my price range, I can get it. So it's, I get yeah. to see a lot more stuff and bid on a lot more stuff, but I miss the in-person. I think, I think Delta and DU have uh, accidentally tapped in to a new, uh, you know, money stream i think you could do i think you should do both yeah you do both uh i prefer the i definitely prefer the in-person stuff because i me too you know you go there with a bunch of your buddies and everybody has a good time and there's 
there seems to be a lot more variety of stuff. And uh, it's just a, a, the in-person part. And, and you get a meal. You know, I like food. And it's, it's just the, the online one is good when you don't have anything else, if, if you ask me. So for me, it's the social aspect. Yeah. Like, you know, like the big thing with like Brian McRae's dinners there, the Wild for Hope dinners, it's the social aspect. It's getting to, like, yeah, yeah, you have the opportunity to, to see your buddies and stuff throughout the season and stuff. But some guys live further away, you know, you just might not get a chance to hunt, but everyone comes together for like one of these big dinners. You can hang out, you know, and it's just shooting the shit. Like, yeah, it's fun doing that, you know, with hunting, but there's a bit of pressure on the line at the same time, right? But mm. so, this whole social aspect is, is what, uh, is what I love love about it. I've and done so much networking of those, like met so many guys who you've, you know, ended up going hunting with or, you know, yeah. for whatever reason, like just got to <clears throat> know guys, like for whatever reason, it's just, they're great. They're awesome. Yeah. And that that's a big thing that people don't understand is if you're new to an area and you're new to hunting, look up your local Delta, look up your local DU, go to one of those events and socialize, network with the people there, join the committee and then you'll start getting, even if you just get invited to the committee hunt or with one guy starts taking you out, that's where it starts from. And I've made more connections with hunting people going to these banquets than I would have just being introduced through friends, you know? So that's a big part of it too. My favorite part of these dinners is when people, um, the funny things that happen with bidding when you do the live auctions, the one time we had a, a couple and they both decided that they wanted this little kids uh do you had that jeep it looked like an army ranger jeep kind of thing for toddlers and kids and both the husband and wife both knew they wanted it but they were standing on opposite sides of the room and at one point they were bidding against each other and didn't realize it and some people were like we should tell them and it's like no 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 this is way more fun right they way overpaid for it but they weren't going to lose to each other. <laughs> it's all so, coming out of the same account. Yeah. 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 So. Or when you got the, the, you, you got a number when you get in there and you put down your number and your buddy's been in on the same thing <laughs> and you watch him go over, scratch his head, put their number down. They go sit down and you wait till they're not looking. You run over and throw your number down again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is one thing I miss too is those Legion meals. Like the, it's always Ooh, yeah. a good cooked meal. Like the Legion puts it on, or the the Women's Society, or I don't know what groups you guys have local to you, but it's like meat and potatoes and gravy and just like a full all the fixings and it's the oh, stuff buddy. you would like you dream to come and eat after like a cold evening hunt. Like it's just that meal. Yeah, yeah it always is. Yeah. Speaking of meals, what uh, what blind snacks are you guys going with this year to start? Huh? Ryan, I, why do you look at me? If, if, what if you you I thought he was going to say whiskey. <laughs> well, I'm, all, I'm almost out now, but um, man, but you, you know what? Like, yeah, I know. Early on, I'm not really much of a snacker, but like once Halloween kicks in, man, I have like those little like three inch chocolate bars. They're littered in my blind bag. Like they're just everywhere. Like I can't, I can't count how many birds I've shot in my mouth with one of the mini O Henry sticking out of my, my lips, like, like a cigar. Like that's my, probably my vice, my snack vice. 
You gotta have <laughs> snacks because hell else you're gonna be fucking around and, and eating something when birds show up, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so actually funny story when me and when I first start, me and Mark used to work together years ago. And uh I ran like a I was working in like this tool crib. And Mark comes up to me one day, goes, Hey, I heard you hunt ducks. I'm like, Yeah. He's like, I hunt ducks. I'm like, okay, let's go hunt ducks. I'm like, okay. So that was the, the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Um, so we went home to the, the valley where I live now at the time because we lived in the city. And uh, he shows up and we were hunting a standing corn. And he brings this, this like big red cooler. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, probably got like something to drink or just coffee and probably something to sit on. And so he's like, he's like, you like to eat? I'm like, yeah, I like food. Bust open this cooler. He's got like, three different types of salamis fine cheeses like i'm like man like i fucking found a hunting partner let's go like a tear comes to ryan's eye (laughs) (laughs) did we just become best friends (laughs) yep exactly and then you want to do karate in my garage after (laughs) we that's what we did that's awesome marco marco would be proud (laughs) oh yeah it was great man i was like yeah that's i'll always remember that so I can't sorry, I can't tell you. I can't I can't remember how many birds we shot today. We might have shot like two. I, I don't know. I just remember it was food. <laughs> it wasn't much, I don't think. Yeah, but we ate like kings at least. Yeah. I used to be the guy that like the start of season, I'd like have that warm burrito that you'd microwave beforehand, you'd wrap it up and put it in the cooler so that it was still warm and you could eat that. And then as the season goes on, things just turn into like by the end of it, it's like Sour Patch Kids and M&M's. And then last day of the season, it's like, ah, you know, maybe you should just have that one hunt where we bring bacon and eggs. And mm. that's that's what I like. Myself and Ryan had a string of a couple of years where almost every single time we hunted, we went for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. I put on a big, lot of weight. Big breakfast. Weight. <laughs> yeah. When we were in yeah. the Ottawa Valley, we habitually would find the place that served the biggest breakfast and we would target that and there would be like like a big stop the like what was the trucker one called i can't remember anyways in yeah iron prior or uh no no like the big stop irving big stop like the trucker breakfast oh the hungry wolf hungry wolf oh it was the hungry wolf yeah hungry man hungry wolf like you get like sauce like three eggs sausage bacon Bologna, fried bologna. If you any American listeners have never tried fried bologna, you can try it. Like hash browns, toast. We we like. So when I was on the ships, fried bologna, they'd we had a chef on the ship, and he'd like put his put the menu up, and for breakfast every morning, you had two options: bacon or Newfie steak. And that's that's what he called it all the time. So that's all it is. That's yeah. yeah. I'm, it took like it took me almost a month to be like, all right, what is it? And then he's like, no, you got to try it. I'm not telling you. And then finally, I tried it. And I was like, fuck, that's good stuff. Like, oh, definitely rare, try that. Rare delicacy. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. I fucking hate bologna. Our millions of listeners are going to go out and eat <laughs> bologna now, and the price is going to go up. You wait. Right. You just yeah. It's, it's like toilet paper. Oh. It's going to fly off the shelves. Yeah. Here's here's one for you. So, that dog trial this weekend. Rule number one of a dog trail, you don't show up in a dirty truck. So I went out to Canadian Tire today to go find, I needed soap because I had no soap. So go to Canadian Tire, get a jug of soap. I'm all right, I need like a new 
sponge scrubby something for the truck right scoured canadian tire no like no foam sponges nothing i'm like great this is the next thing that's going to go up in fucking price there's like a shortage of fucking sponges sponges. (laughs) i had to go to walmart i haven't been to walmart in like two years it's not happy did you guys see that car wash hack thing from tiktok that you take your hose with no water in it and you pour a dawn dish soap into it and then you put the put the sprayer on the back onto the hose turn the water on and start washing your truck and it'll soap your truck just like you're at a car wash oh yeah that yeah there you go these fucking smart people that just sit at home doing nothing making tiktoks man you you can learn something from them so get educated (laughs) Mm -hmm. half the time it's what not to do (laughs) yes so you can use that to clean your duck boat yeah there you go there you go how about your decoys you boys clean your decoys before season no yep yeah what do you clean them with soapy water yeah (laughs) throw them in in the kids pool a little bit of soapy water and then the ones that are really starting to fade, I'll put a little bit of clear coat on them, and that's it. Low mat clear coat. Good to go. Yeah. Mine have never gotten washed. Just throw them in the pond that you're going to hunt in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rinse the, rinse the dirt off, and they're good to go. It's yeah. yeah. good. Well, field decoys are different. Yeah. They yeah. Are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the neat one that I saw was those guys with the, they bring the flamethrower, the flame torch to the field to melt the ice oh, off for the frost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was. Yeah, I guess that's sure. a trial and error thing. You know where you yeah. don't have to do that is with real geese silhouettes. Hmm, there you go. True, because if you did, they'd catch fire. But secondly, because it doesn't happen. Yeah. No. no. They for don't. The people frost. that for the people that don't know, real geese has their own Facebook group. And Greg Mintz has been posting some deals on decoys on there. You can get decoys just seconds or good decoys, just mixed packs or whatever. He posts posts specials on there all the time that you can only get if you're a part of that Facebook group. So if you're listening to this, look for that Real Geese Decoys Facebook yeah, group. Like the Real Geese, mm-hmm. Real Geese fan page. Yeah. Yeah. Over, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, another good plug for Craig. There's a gentleman that actually posted on there today that uh, he ordered a, I can't remember what he ordered. I don't know if it was a box of shadows, whatever the case may be, but like UPS. Oh, I, I, saw I, this. I, I shit you not. You look at the box, it looks like UPS drove over the fucking thing and then pitched on his porch and ran away. Looks like the UPS so, driver like sniped some of them out of it. It was so open. The guy, the guy posts this like, yeah, like look at this shit from you. Like, like not bashing Rogies by any means. He's bashing the shit out of UPS. Craig jumps on. Let me know the condition. We'll send you whatever ones that are damaged. Done. No questions asked. And the other part That's of that too is service. he also tagged the, uh, the person that deals with UPS so that they can deal with UPS on their end. So that it's dealt yeah. with on both ends. Like, yeah, that's customer service there, Craig. So that's why we support you. He's Good a beauty. He's a beauty. And yeah. Brandy. Brandy does a bang up job too. I've dealt with Brandy on a couple of occasions and she's an absolute sweetheart. Yeah. Mm. And that that's a big thing in this industry is at the end of the day, there's 
the same products from different companies and different groups that you can get and customer service is huge and your social interactions are huge and people need to start recognizing that. And like, you know what, if you were a dick two years ago and that shit's still on there or someone has a copy of it, it's still on there. Like there were some news articles about people that it's like I posted, someone posted that something happened and I posted allegedly and they sent me a screenshot and I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess maybe you're right. Like, if, it, if you post it or you say it or you do it and it's on that internet, it's there. Forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So That's why I did all my stupid shit before social media. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Uh, just uh, backpedaling a little here. And I think one of you guys mentioned it in our group chat. Did some guy take all the Delta or DU hats from a dinner or, or something like that? And try and start selling them online for profit. I've seen that. I heard about that. I yeah, did hear about that. that. Free, free hats, $25 a piece. Yeah. yeah. Free hats. <laughs> but I mean, you're gonna, if you're going to go to a dinner and, and yeah, those hats are usually available, they'll have boxes of them. And people can usually take a hat or two, right? And uh, I mean, I've taken them, I've given them to my dad and I've given them to my my uh, father-in-law and I'd given it to friends and stuff, but I never, I never thought about selling them to make a profit. <laughs> yeah. And I think that topic came up because there's other people that are buying things off of the Delta, the Delta banquets. And there's a few items on those Delta banquets that if you go and you watch them, they're not selling for much. They're going for 60 bucks. Whereas in a live event, they're going for 120 bucks. So they're going on there and they're just buying them every week stockpiling them and then they're trying to sell them for 130 bucks online and then plus shipping so they're making a profit off it well that's because a lot of people don't know that the banquets are moved to online and if they just look at the online it's the exact same thing for the for a lot cheaper so that's where that discussion came up mm. that's where it came from yeah. yeah 20 bucks is 20 bucks yeah but yeah however whatever you gotta do to make it <laughs> decoys are expensive yeah so mind your business gotta make well, a hustle yeah so hockey's over season's coming i'm getting pretty excited boys but uh i think we're at our time limit there i i don't know how damien keeps track but uh anyone got anything else to say i'll do a quick around the table uh mark oh look at that mark figured out how to put his hand up always oh. fun to do that <laughs> 60 again. episodes and one of us finally did it yeah and if you want to lower it, you click in the right-hand corner. Oh, look at that. Holy oh, shit. Oh, shit. Our YouTube following is about to explode. Yeah. And for all the people on uh, listening to us on Spotify, you're probably going, what the hell are these idiots doing? <laughs> so, guys, we're just learning. Like, we're, we, it took us 55 episodes to figure out how to put logos and shit during the video. So, we just figured out that you can actually do a Facebook Live every tuesday with our chat or whatever so we're just learning we're not tech guys we all like to hunt we're having yeah, fun we're, we're duck hunters not scientists yeah it's not rocket yeah. appliance but it definitely is tougher than we are so go around the table there mark you got in oh boys it's good uh it's kind of nice not having damien here so you don't have to listen to him all show <laughs> so, uh, you know because sometimes you, you can't have that split second of empty space right so mm. Someone has to talk the entire time. So, anyway. Ryan? 
Yeah, Damien's like conversation, bit of a conversation hooer. But uh, yeah, Dave Dave spreads around, shares the wealth, and there was no dead space. There's no dead space tonight. No. This was this was this was fun. I, I enjoyed this. Um, I might miss Damien, but I'm not willing to admit that yet. So, but <laughs> got- same as always. Say, sorry, what? You got two more weeks, so we'll oh, see really? how it goes. Okay. All, All right. right, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, same as always, good to catch up. The season's coming, boys. So let's let's, uh, let's get excited. Let's get ready. Mm-hmm. Damien, Phil. Uh, you know, I missed last week, so it's nice to be back. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, well, I guess well, the, the show will get aired on Monday. But yeah, I'm running running Luther this weekend with the new dog. So hopefully, coming home with some ribbons. Failing that, they usually have a wicked prize table. So hopefully, I can win some shit. Good. All right, guys. This is episode whatever one we're on. Damien, I'll fully admit it. This is a lot harder than it looks. Good on you, brother. Yeah. We will he does see you good, in three weeks. He, Don't ever do this to me again, you fucker. He does <laughs> and, a good job too. If we're all being serious. He does yeah, a really good job. He does a good job. So surround yourself with good peoples. We'll see you uh, next time.